three kings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 5. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Last week, our episode in this series titled The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 4, on June 26. In that episode, we learned in Chapter 7, the first thing we noticed is the seventh seal opening does not yet happen. We see this chapter open with the sealing of the 144,000. Then in Revelation chapter 7, verse 14, we read, So I said to him, My Lord, you know the answer. Then he said to me, These are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. That taught us a little about reading the context and not just the verse. The context tells us better what any specific verse is telling us correctly. The point with this verse was to show by itself how one could derive a meaning from it that, in context, it does not mean. Hence, using multiple individual verses can lead us to believe something that our Bible is not telling us. Further, we noticed, yet again, a specific large group of people was already in heaven. We learned there was an enormous crowd that no one could count. It was made up of persons from every nation, tribe, people, and language. This was not the first time we read of such a crowd of persons. No heavenly body is referred to as a person. This means it is talking about the enormous crowd of earthly people saved in Christ since the fall of man originally happened. That is what spurs the question, how did we get there? Or, when will it happen? Questions we already know may not have an answer. To find out more, listen to our previous episode titled, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 4. This week, we will examine more scripture to see if there is any mention of an ascension into heaven since the date and hour. So far, we have not found such scripture. Scripture tells us that even Jesus knows not the day or hour. It is also very important to note there is no preceding prophecy to be fulfilled before the catching up or the rapture occurs. That means it is solely at the discretion of the Father in heaven when his people will be removed from the earth. The only thing we do know is when he decides it is time to take his earthly church home to heaven, he will tell Jesus to come and get us. Read your Bible, because this is all there. 
I am also getting ahead of things, so let us start this week's study. First, notice this Bible passage. But as for that day and hour, no one knows it, not even the angels in heaven, except the Father alone. For just like the days of Noah were, so the coming of the Son of Man will be. For in those days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and took them all away. It will be the same at the coming of the Son of Man. Then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one left. There will be two women grinding grain with a mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay alert, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have been alert and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. From Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 44. Notice how two parables are used to make the point of what was already spoken in Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 39. The first thing we should notice almost right away is how the coming of Christ, in this case, is written differently. Notice how we read in the book of Revelation of a very public return of Christ that the whole world will see. This driven home because people mourn his return. However, there is no mourning of his return for his church at this return of which we are talking about. This predates what we read in the book of Revelation. This is because here we read of a hidden account of Christ returning. One might ask, which is it? Are these two events written differently of the same event? If they are not the same event, does this mean they are two events? One of which predates the Great Tribulation period. That day, the day of the coming of the Son of Man, Christ will not tell them when it would be, and none but God know. He warned them to be prepared for it and to be always ready. From Family Bible Notes from the Nazarene Users Group Notice how this event is very different from what we read in the book of Revelation. This event is clearly hidden from public view, which is why we need to sort this issue out. We also, and very important, need to be always ready at a moment's notice to leave this world unexpectedly. This does not sound at all like the scripture we examined from the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, it spoke of us already being in heaven. It also spoke of a very public return of Christ. This passage in the book of Matthew sounds entirely different 
from what we studied in the book of Revelation. It must mean there is a catching up of his children, otherwise known as his bride, before the great tribulation even starts. If that is an accurate thought, let's look into this further. I want to make a quick note also of why I am using the phrase the Great Tribulation. This particular seven year period is worse than any other period of tribulation that has ever been known on earth. So, I want to maintain clarity of what I am speaking about. That is why, especially in this episode, I am using the phrase the Great Tribulation which is referred to this way in Scripture. Verses 40 to 41 speak of two men and then two women. Then there were two men in the field. One will be taken and one left. There will be two women grinding grain with a mill. One will be taken and one left. In each case, one is taken and one is left behind on this earth. We learn further. Taken and saved as a follower of Christ, left to perish through unbelief and rejection of Him. From Family Bible Notes from the Nazarene Users Group. That is very clear, understandable, and a direct explanation of what Scripture is telling us. In verse 41 and verse 42, we read what commentary is telling us. In either case of male or female, those who are saved in Christ will be taken home into heaven. Those who are not saved in Christ will be left behind and thus will go through the great tribulation. Verse 42 reads, Therefore, stay alert, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. You know not. This was true with regard to the destruction of Jerusalem. It is also true with regard to each one's death, and it will be true with regard to the day of judgment, the day of our death, and of our being called to judgment. Though known to God, it is not revealed to us that we may always be found in the path of duty, and thus, through grace, be prepared for those great events which are certain and near. From Family Bible Notes from the Nazarene Users Group. Here we have the application made by our Savior of the foregoing doctrine concerning the certainty and suddenness of a future judgment. Watch therefore, always, not without intermission, but without giving over that you may be not only in an habitual but actual readiness for my appearance. Learn hence that it is the indispensable duty and ought to be showing sustained enthusiastic action with unflagging vitality, inexhaustible, tireless, unfailing endeavor of every Christian to stand upon his watch in a prepared readiness for Christ's appearance, both for his coming to us and for our going to him. Watch always, for you know not the hour when our Lord comes. From 
Expository Notes with Practical Observations on the New Testament by William Burkett. Please note, William Burkett used the word indefatigable, where I used the meaning for this word since it is a word I have never seen used in my entire life. Moving on. Notice what these two commentators are telling us bottom line. Even in today's troubled times, we are to demonstrate our readiness to be taken home to heaven by doing the work of Christ we know we should do. Being taken home to Christ is the unknown variable. We have already read that we do not know the day or hour. Scripture gives us three instances of this in this passage. Men working are taken suddenly without warning. Women in the workplace or otherwise working are taken suddenly. In either case, leaving behind those who do not believe in Christ as their Lord, not saved by His grace. Then, in verse 43, we read the third parable. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have been alert and would not have let his house be broken into. Obviously, this predates today since many people now have burglar alarms in their homes. So, it should be obvious that this is a scripture analogy based in the day when a person had to keep watch to see the nighttime burglar coming. In the times this verse was written, nighttime burglary was not as commonplace as it is today. So, a person in those days could fall asleep and still wake up with everything still in their possession. Yet, even though this did not happen all the time or everywhere known to man, nonetheless, it did happen. If a man knew the hour, or about the hour, when a robber would come, he would be ready for him. So you know not the exact hour, but you know it is near when the Son of Man will come. He will come suddenly as a thief comes without giving previous warning. For definition, a robber, a thief with us, means one who takes goods without doing violence, secretly, silently. From Barnes' New Testament Notes. So that corroborates Scripture because we know Christ comes to us for the rapture unannounced, even secretly. Notice verse 44 is framed with essentially the same statement. Verse 42 reads, Therefore stay alert, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Then verse 43, which we just looked at, and then verse 44, which reads, Therefore you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Notice how these three verses read together. Verses 42 and 44 frame verse 43. In the day this passage was written, someone speaking or writing would make a point by using verbal bookends, so to speak. It is a writing technique or speaking technique no longer used today. 
Notice how each bookend verse is written. First, we know not the day. Then, we know not the hour. Has this not already been said differently elsewhere in our examination? Yes, it has, and quite continuously, I might add. Now, looking deeper into this issue, we read, Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the blinking of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. From 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 52. Remember what we learned about the usage of the word mystery in this way? The word mystery in this usage means the same thing we use today. Today we say, let me show you a new thing. In biblical times, one said the same thing this way. Let me show you a mystery. After all, isn't a new thing a mystery in its own way because we have never seen the new thing before? Maybe that is a bit more poetically stated in literary fashion, but it effectively tells us what the author meant to communicate. Now, after all we have studied thus far, we have seen 1 Corinthians telling us quite specifically how we will be taken out of this world. Can that be at all correct? We could leave things right there and assume so, but let's look at this passage by reading the context it is in. First, let us read the opening verses that set the scene of what is at the point of discussion. But someone will say, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? Fool! What you sow will not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body just as he planned and to each of the seeds a body of its own. All flesh is not the same. People have one flesh, animals have another, birds and fish another. And there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. The glory of the heavenly body is one sort, and the earthly another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For star differs from star in glory. From Free Version of the New English Translation with Limited Notes Today, the field of astronomy has proven that one star differs from another and will also, according to the New English Translation Bible Version, differ in glory. There is the setting of the contextual framing. Now, let us read this next passage in 1 Corinthians to better build the context, starting with verse 42. It is the same with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. 
If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So also it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living person. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, made of dust. The second man is from heaven. Like the one made of dust, so too are those made of dust. And like the one from heaven, so too those who are heavenly. And just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, let us also bear the image of the man of heaven. From Free version of the New English translation with limited notes. There is the preface for us having two bodies. The first, a natural body, which we all live in now. Then, a spiritual body we will be raised into if we die here and now, or will be raised into while alive, when Jesus comes for us before the Great Tribulation period. Now, Watch as we get a better description of what we just read as the context deepens, starting in verse 50. Now, this is what I am saying. Brothers and sisters, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I will tell you a mystery, meaning a new thing. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the blinking of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Now, when this perishable puts on the imperishable, and this mortal puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will happen. Quote, Death has been swallowed up in victory. End quote. Quote, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? End quote. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, dear brothers and sisters, be firm. Do not be moved. Always be outstanding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This is the portion of this passage we want to look at more closely without forgetting the context it is in. That is why we read the entire context. Can you see how consistent the context is? First, there is a statement made by Paul. Secondly, he further explains what he just said. Thirdly, and finally, he states his point emphatically. This is why reading the context is very important when searching Scripture as we are doing. What needs to remain constant is the congruity of the many verses we need to study 
to stay on point or on topic. If the verses do not stay on point, we need to find the verses that are on point. If we do not do that, then we use verse portions and only assume that verse portion tells us the whole truthful story which simply does not honestly happen when abusing Scripture in this fashion. With that said, in closing, what are we being told? First, we should note that 1 Corinthians was written approximately in 55 AD. The book of Revelation was written approximately in 94 to 96 AD, starting some 39 years after 1 Corinthians. Also, those two books were written by two different authors, with those two books of the Bible at the earliest written 39 years apart from each other. What did Paul and John know in their day that we have lost touch with? Both Paul and John knew something we have either forgotten or never knew to begin with. Granted, John received the book of Revelation prophetically. With that said, let us look deeper into the last portion of this passage. By flesh and blood, here we are to understand our bodies in their present natural, corruptible, and mortal state. Such flesh and blood as ours is at present unchanged and unclothed with its heavenly body cannot inherit the kingdom of God, that is, it cannot possibly enter into heaven and bear the weight of glory which will there be put upon it. Corruption, or nature subject to corruption, cannot inherit incorruption. That is, our corruptible bodies cannot enter into an incorruptible heaven. Note here, another argument produced by the apostle to prove the necessity of the resurrection or of raising and new modeling the body in a spiritual condition because our natural body, till it be made spiritual, cannot bear the presence of God in heaven. It must be fitted for that glorious place and state before it be brought into it. By a change of qualities, it must be spiritualized purified, and immortalized, or it can never bear that weight of glory which is prepared for the saints in that glorious kingdom. From Expository Notes with Practical Observations on the New Testament by William Burkett. Notice also, here the Apostle answers a third objection, some might say, what shall become of those who shall be found alive at Christ's coming. He answers, They shall not die or sleep, but yet shall undergo a change as well as those that rise from the dead. These shall have flesh and blood changed into spiritual bodies, as well as they, and of mortal be made immortal, of corruptible become incorruptible and all this in a moment of time. Christ's powerful voice will be like a trumpet calling men together, and the dead shall be raised, and living saints 
changed into an incorruptible state. From Expository Notes with Practical Observations on the New Testament by William Burkett. It should be quite clear at this point that there is a strong case for the taking up of Christ's own, dead or alive, being built in biblical fact. We also see that we will receive a new physical body that, unlike the one we live in now, will be both immortal and incorruptible. My thought on that is, that is something to look forward to. All one needs to do is seek salvation in Christ by simply asking for it. Next week, we will examine this 1 Corinthians passage further. There is more to being saved from the Great Tribulation than many people, here in America anyway, know about it. It also should be noted that simply asking for salvation in Christ and receiving it just for that asking is far too simple when we humans compare that simple act to sin and sinful living no matter how hard we try to be good. After all, if eternal death is the result, then how can such a simple act give us eternal life? That is the inexplicable goodness and greatness of God to us. Join us next week when we look to get more answers. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. Also, please check our show notes for links to our website and other information you may want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sunday's U.S. East Coast time zone. 
these sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Many sooner than others. Our website is located at this internet address, unchurched.site123.me. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.